Hallelujah. Well, we're so glad to be back. And after a, a, a couple of weeks holiday, and I just want to take a moment to thank all the team who makes it possible week in and week out. It's so cool to be able to go. And actually, we were sneak uh, with being on a line. Of course, you can now go and watch the service. And we were watching the service while we were driving uh, between Rotorua and Taupo, seeing what was going on. It was we were getting cut off actually because the signal would kill. Oh, we're missing the service. We're missing. I know we're supposed to be on break. I know. I know. But, but we, we we couldn't help. And it's just so good to know that 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 we don't have to be here and God still moves. Come on, somebody. It's just it, it's just cool. But I, I just want to thank all the volunteers, all the teams, all the people, week in, week out, kitchen, children's church, care for all the different places, hospitality, all the team up there, all the team down here. Can we put our hands together and thank all the volunteers? You make it happen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, about once a week, maybe sometimes once every couple of weeks, I get text. I get a text. And this text can come from anywhere around the world. It can come from New Zealand, it can come from another city in New Zealand, it can come from someplace uh, around the world, from somebody we know or whatever or, or, or heard of. But this, this text is different. It's different every time. It's from different people, but it has one theme in common. Uh, this week I received two of these texts from totally different people, totally unrelated, but one theme is a part of that text. And uh, that is, in that text, they are people who are asking for a miracle. Uh, they are people who are in need of a miracle. And so they're texting us, and sometimes we know them, sometimes we don't. Sometimes it might be a family member, and the text might go, could you pray for my uh, cousin? My cousin's just being diagnosed with this or, or that. It could be a, a text from another person that says, my my son has been involved in a car accident in so-and-so place. He's in intensive care. Would you please pray? And the desire of all of those texts, this week I got two of them. The desire of all of those texts is that somehow that God in the middle of those circumstances, that God in the middle of that pain and God in the middle of that suffering would somehow intervene supernaturally. I mean, naturally, the doctors are doing all they can. People are doing all they can. People are helping all they can. But the, the, the cry, the heart cry of the text is, well, would you pray that God would intervene? Would you pray for a miracle that God would somehow show up in that situation? And these cries for help are often desperate. Uh, for some, it's a matter, it really is a matter of life and death. And things like the doctor has told us there's nothing more uh, they can do. Pastor, we need, need a miracle. And I want to ask today, does God still do miracles? Does God still do miracles today? And this begins my two-part series called Miracle Matters because I want to discuss the matter of miracles. Our miracles for today, if you're a Pentecostal and we are a Pentecostal church, some of you are going, of course they are. Of course they are. Pastor, we're a Pentecostal church. Of course, miracles are for today. But not everyone necessarily believes that. You can't assume that everyone believes that. And so we, it's an important question to get to the bottom of our miracles for today. Do they 
happen? Can they happen today? And of course, you might be here today and you, you don't need a miracle. You don't, it's like, oh, whatever, I don't care. But you may not need a miracle today, but you might tomorrow. And if not tomorrow, maybe someday, maybe a month from now, maybe a year from now. I think we've had situations always in our life. I've been a pastor for a long time, so I know there's situations come in people's lives every now. Thankfully, not too often, but every now and then where I need a miracle, where we need God. Come on. Where we need God to show up in our situation, in our pain, in our difficulty. And so it's an important question to settle our hearts on. Does God do miracles even today? It's an important question to settle. I think so, because if ever there was a time in our lifetime, in our history, where miracles are needed, when the world is facing a global pandemic, where economies are shutting down, where jobs might be lost, if any time or place that might need a miracle, maybe now's it. And so we should settle these questions in our hearts. So I'm asking, can we, should we, Believe God for the miraculous in these days. And in all the service, services, the Pentecostals have said, hey, man, yes, of course we should. But I want to just say, honestly, there are those that would say no to that question. There are. There, 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 there are those that would say no to that question. And there's no doubt that in Christendom, this is a controversial area. Of which, uh, to be honest, we're barely going to scratch the surface in the two part that we are going to put together, but hopefully it will help. See, in Christendom, the issue of miracles for today, let me just say this. There are two camps. And when I say camps, they are camps. They are fortified. They've got armor. They've armored themselves up. They fire back and, uh, back and forth. There are two camps on this issue. Camp one says, basically, miracles cease. God doesn't do miracles anymore. Basically, miracles cease with the death of the apostles and are no longer necessary as we have the Word of God in its entirety, the perfect Word of God in its entirety, and therefore there is no need for them because we have the Word of God. Thousands, if not millions, hold that view. Those holding that view are generally known as cessationists. Not sensationalists, cessationists. Meaning they believe it's ceased. The gifts are not, not just healing, the gifts are not for today. That's camp one. Camp two says, the other camp, and really there's only kind of two, camp two says miracles are for today. That they never ceased with the apostles and that they can and do happen today. And they would point to scriptures like Acts uh, uh, chapter uh, 2 verse 17, which would uh, talk about the Spirit of God would be poured out in the last days. The Spirit of God would be poured out on all flesh, not just some fancy apostles and prophets, but on all uh, flesh. And as far as I can tell, we're still in the last days. Can I hear an amen? We're still in the last days. It's still continuing, continuing on. Uh, even as I was just walking up here and hearing the words of that song, the champion, it talks about the authority that we have. Where is it getting that passage? Of it's getting it from Mark chapter 16. It talks about laying, that you, those who, who, who follow Jesus, they will lay hands on the sick and they shall uh, be healed. I was just reminded of another scripture there. So the, uh, Camp 2 says, no miracles are still available today. They have not, they have not ceased. James chapter 5 tells us 
If someone's sick among you, call the elders of the church, lay hands on them, pray for them that they might be healed. That's not like only until the apostles live. No, no, it's like it's, it's open-ended. There, there is an expectation. There doesn't mean that God heals every time we do that. No. No, I don't, I, I don't subscribe to that. But it's there in the, in the scripture. And so I fall into this camp. I fall into this camp for those reasons and a number of other reasons which I'll go into and share. Now for the world out there, of course, the, the world in uh, general, really when it comes to matters of the miraculous, authenticity is the big question. Because uh, people out there believe in all kinds of strange phenomena and all kinds of strange things. I mean, so we, uh, we've, we've got the UFO, uh, yep, we're, we're you know, out of space people, whatever it is. There's all types of kind of philosophies and thoughts out there and strange phenomena. And so for people out there in the general world, when it comes to the question of the miraculous, authenticity is the big question. They're asking, is it real or fake? Is it true or false? But see, for the Christian, when it comes to authenticity, ultimately, we understand that the Word of God, the Word of God is what has the final say on matters of life and doctrine. And if you're new to church, you go, what is doctrine? That sounds like a fancy word. It just means teaching. It's just a fancy word for teaching. So now you can be fancy. Come on, somebody. It's the fancy word for teaching. But the Word of God is the thing that should determine our life and doctrine, not how we feel, not what we just, well, I think that. No, no, no. The Word of God determines our life and doctrine. And so, uh, listen, what is true or false is established in the light of what the Scriptures say and teach for the Christians. That's how we've got to, got to think. It's not, 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 it's not like, what do I think? No, no. What, are the, what does the Scriptures say? Uh, sounds easy, but uh, to be honest, it's not really easy at all. It sounds simple, but it's not as simple as it sounds. Why? Because both camps, one and two, will say, this is what the Bible teaches. <laughs> both camps, one or two, will say, this is clearly is what the Bible teaches. And if you ask uh, both camps how they came to that conclusion, both will say, through the careful study and application of God's Word, that's how we came to this conclusion. So it's not as simple as it seems. And of course, in this Google world that we live in, there are endless debates, and you can go online and watch for yourself, but there are endless debates and interviews on the internet where each position puts forth their best arguments for and against, and it can be brutal sometimes. But for me, I have come to the conclusion over many years that we can and we should believe God for miracles today. That he can and does do miracles today. And so when I'm preaching, when I'm talking from here, I'm always going to share from that perspective. And of course, I'm, please understand also, I'm not just making it up. It's not just off, I'm not just sharing off the uh, top of my my head, I, I want to say there are professors and theologians and uh, people who are far more smarter and learned than, uh, than I am who would hold to that view and would fight for that position as 
there are professors and uh, scholars on the other side of the position who, who would also fight against it. And so I've had many years, been walking with the Lord for a long time, to consider these things. Sometimes, if I'm honest, I, 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 I sort of wish I was in camp one sometimes. I, I, I just got to be honest, I was thinking about this. I, sometimes I wish I was in camp one. And the reason is, is because over the years, and I'm just being honest, uh, over the years there, there has and has been and still is some wacky and weird and not so wonderful expressions of what it means to be Pentecostal when they've been captured and clipped and edited and are now on YouTube forever showing us how nutty Pentecostals can be sometimes. And, and sometimes it would just be easier to be in camp, camp one when you see the weird and the wacky. And let, let's face it, there's, there have been uses and abuses. There have been, over the years, charlatans and tricksters, people who have manipulated people and all those kind of things who, who have manipulated through the words or whatever and their deeds and those kind of churches. So sometimes it would be easier to be in camp one. But here's the thing. If the Bible teaches, which I think it does, that God still does miracles today. The fact that there is some wacky and weird. I mean, we've had some wacky and weird here. Come on. Are you sitting next? No, don't tell me if you're. Over the years. If the Bible teaches, which I think it does, that God still does miracles today. The fact that there is some wacky and weird out there. I just want to say it does not invalidate the teaching of scripture if the bible teaches that god still does miracles today which in my opinion it does that's what matters not the fact that there's some wacky or weird out there not the fact that there might be some charlatans and tricksters out there that should not be what we weigh up whether something is valid or not scripture and scripture alone is what should determine whether something is true or not. Turn to the person next to you and say, preacher's preaching good today. He's, I mean, he's, he's doing okay. See, the fact that weird and wacky exists and there are charlatans and tricksters can't be used as a valid argument against the miraculous. Remember, what is true or false is established in the light of what the Scriptures say and teach. That's what matters. And so in part one of Miracle Matters, I just want to do a little groundwork so as to get us ready for part two. And I want to do that by responding to things cessationists would basically say about you and I as Pentecostals. They would say this, and this would be one of their main arguments. They would say that Charismatics and Pentecostals rely too much on their personal experience rather than the Word of God. They just go by, too, they just go by their experience. They get caught up, us Pentecostals, we get caught up in the emotional hype. And we love a good meeting. Amen? I mean, we love a good meeting. We're like, oh, hallelujah, Jesus. I mean, we love a good meeting. 
We like it. We like how if it gets going. I mean, we, do, we go to a church and it's like, praise God today. I'm so excited. Who, who, we're like, not, not for me. We love a good meeting. But they would say they get caught up in the emotional hype. They, they, they would say about us that we build our theology on the experience instead of the Word of God. Mm-hmm. They would say that there's no evidence of real miracles taking place. Just puffed up reports, second-hand and third-hand accounts, and uh, maybe Chinese whispers, and I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that in this day and age. I don't know. Is that, is that even legal now? I don't know. I think, I think it's a game, right? Chinese whispers, you know, it's just it's all froth and bubble. No real content. But is that true? Is that true? Our experiences, no matter who we are, no matter what camp we are in, our experiences, no matter who we are, definitely can and do influence our thinking and our lives. We'd be foolish to say any different. If you ask me, uh, have my experiences affected, influenced the fact that I believe in miracles are for today? The answer is, of course, yes. Why would I say that? Well, I'll give you Two reasons, because number one, I have seen miracles firsthand. And I can't deny that. I have seen miracles firsthand over my ministry life. And I've been in ministry a long time now. Some, I don't know, 35 years. And I know it's a miracle I even look this young. <laughs> but I've been in ministry for a long time now. And over that time, not all, every month, not every day. But over that time, I've seen many Miracles that I cannot explain in any other way but that it was a miracle. I've seen instant, undeniable physical healings take place in people's lives. For instance, if I was to tell you some of them, the first person I would bring up would be Pastor Prem, who has shared that testimony on the stage right here. You've met him, you've seen him, some of you have been to... The church, but I've shared the story, and for me, it's undeniable. He was a Hindu man who was beating his wife all the time, just beating her up. Anita was saying, "Stop beating up your wife." How many think that's a good thing? I mean, it's just like, okay, tell me you're not too sure. It's not a good thing, people. It's not a good thing. Okay, yeah. Anita was like, "Don't, don't beat your wife." She she witnessed it to him. He ends up turning up at her house saying, "I want to give my life to Jesus." He's a Hindu man. His whole life will change. He would be persecuted. Things will happen. And so I didn't say on the first time he turned up at his house, our house, I said, no, I, before I pray that prayer, I'm going to New Zealand for three months. You think about it. It's a big decision. I know it's not great marketing, but that's what I did. I said, you think about it. And when you make that decision, because, you know, we, we, we come to Christ here. It's like, oh, yeah, I said the prayer in the uh, meeting. Listen, I want to tell you, when people come to Christ in other nations, it's a matter of life and death. Their whole life will change. They're counting a cost. They understand what the cross means. My God. And so in that, that, that place, three months we come back, he turns back up at our house and says, I want to give my life to Jesus. And so I got a keyboard player in. We played some nice, really soft music and set the atmosphere. No, there was no keyboard player there. No atmosphere was set. And we prayed the prayer like we pray here every week. Lord Jesus. Come into my life today. I turn from my sin and turn towards you. I turn away from my sin and turn towards God. Would you be my Savior and my Lord? He prayed that prayer. 
And of course, he's been walking through, and you know, if, you, if you know the story, you, you would remember for year after year after year, part of the reason he was beaten his wife was the fact he was so frustrated. She was telling him off because he wasn't going to work. He, why wasn't he going to work? Because he'd had a stomachache, a brutal stomach condition. He'd been to doctors. He'd been everywhere trying to get it figured out for year after year after year, and nothing could relieve his pain. And so we're in that in the bedroom just going, he's received Christ, and I'm like, I better pray. It's the Christian thing to do. I just want to say, I didn't have any great faith or anything. I just thought, well, I better do that. That's the proper thing to do. So in the name of Jesus, no keyboard. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Boom, he was healed like that. He was healed like that. Yeah, that's what I said. Wow, I was like, because even I didn't believe it. I mean, boom. He was just healed instantaneously, not after three days and four days and some Panadol. He was instantly healed. And so I'm going, that is amazing. And not only that, that changed his whole life. That we, we have Connect Church in India today because of that moment. And he went from there and of course his family said, I just thought of this this morning. I didn't have it in my notes, but the, I thought of this this morning. What happened from there? Well, it was just a whole succession of miracles. Because he goes back as a Hindu man who's become a follower of Christ, tells his mother, who's a very powerful woman in the village, tells his mother, I have become a Christian. She said, you have left the gods of your fathers. This is not good. This is not good what you've done. A few weeks later, she was sick on her deathbed. Just sick, about to die. And so she's there. She can hardly move. Sort of, sort of sounds like a Bible moment. And so he comes in. Pastor Prem, only a new Christian. He wasn't even Pastor Prem then. He was just Prem. And I just want to tell you, God can use any. You don't have to be pastor or anything. God can use anybody. Hallelujah. Come on. Can even use you. And so he went into his house and he laid hands on his mom and said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And guess what? She was healed. There and then, instantly, instantaneously, she got up. Got up completely completely healed and said, from now on, this family will follow Jesus Christ. This family will be, and, and basically from there on, a church was birthed. Come on, we can clap better in there. <laughs> Should I clap? I don't know. No hype, no keyboard. Just a quick prayer. Instant healing. Changed his life. Changed our life. He's, that's not a second-hand experience. He's been on this platform and shared that story. There are so many angles to that. And then I think of the story of Brenda. Brenda was a beautiful uh, uh, lady who was part of the church that we were in before we started the Connect Church over there in India, part of the New Life Fellowship that was there, Pastor Shantkumar, who has been here. And Brenda, uh, at one stage, found a large lump in her breast and shared that with the uh, uh, church is like, hey, I need prayer. Please, I, I need God to do something. An operation was booked. God, I need a miracle. She, if, if texting had, had existed in those days, she would have sent one of those texts. It's like, I need a miracle. And so anyway, the church is praying, her family's praying, everybody's praying. And it comes to the day and they wheel her into, you know, she's on the gurney and they wheel her into the operating theater. Only to a few minutes later, wheel her back out again. Because when the doctors went to check, 
what they had to do, the lump had gone and disappeared and completely gone. How many think that sounds like a bit of a, uh, a miracle? Can we give God some praise in this place? I mean, again, these are not second-hand stories. I know this person. She's still alive today. This was many years, years ago. God does miracles. I have seen these miracles take place. And for me, certainly for her and her family, they were extremely relieved. And I think that fits the definition of a miracle. And of course, I've heard so many personal testimonies, even from here and the life of our church, Fred Bath, who was a part of our church for many years, who actually just recently passed away at the grand old age of 80-something during the COVID level four down in Ashburton, but part of this church for many, many years. I remember him telling a story of how he came to Christ. And I, I, again, it's been a long time since I shared it. So I actually wrote to Celia, his wife, as I was preparing this message, and goes, tell me that testimony again. So I, I said, I'm going to be talking on Sunday. I want to make sure I get it right. She, she tells the testimony of Fred's son, who when he was born, had multiple holes in his heart. It was clear something was badly wrong and needed to be rectified like very, very quickly. As they, and as any parents would do, if it was your son or your daughter, uh, they were desperate for a miracle. And so they ended up going along to a meeting where a healing evangelist was there. His name was Bill Sabrisky. He's a very well-known. Anyone know Bill Sabrisky here or heard of it? Yeah, he's been uh, passed away for a while now. And uh, again, but he was very well known in New, New Zealand, New Zealand evangelist. And so they went to that meeting. And in that meeting, lots of people, tons of people in there, bigger than this meeting, lots of people there. And in that meeting, for some reason, Bill Sabrisky, I think it's Jesus, could be coincidence, no, but I think it's Jesus, picked them out of the crowd, called them up, prayed for the boy. He was healed went to the doctors. Doctors said, there is nothing to do. He is all good. Everything's fixed. No more holes in the heart. And, and, and he was healed. Does that happen to everybody? No, that doesn't happen to everybody, but it happened to somebody. Does everybody get healed? No. But some people do. And those, of course, are healing miracles. And but there's, of course, other types of different gifts and different miracles and different things that that take place. And I, as I started to think, some people even reminded me in the forum of what about that miracle that you shared that time? And that, but I, but I, I had to just pick over the years of following, following Christ, different things that I remember. I remember meeting a guy called Timothy. That wasn't his real name. I don't know what his real name was, but he was the son of a Hindu sadhu and he had changed his name. A sadhu was a Hindu priest. And he'd been thrown out of his home. Now, for those of you who are new to church, the reason a lot of these are in India is because we lived in India for 11 years. A lot of, a lot of my life has been spent in India. And so, again, he was the son of a Hindu priest. And he had found Christ and given his life to Christ. They got so upset that they threw him out onto the street, hoping that he'd turn and come back and start worshiping the God of his fathers. And so he was stuck out there on the street again. The cost of following Christ in many countries is very, very difficult. And so there he was. He had no positions, nothing. Everything's gone. He's thrown out onto the street. And while he was there on the street, suddenly he looks up and there's a light. There was a light there. Yes, yeah, kind of like one of those kind of moments. I don't know how high up it was, but there was a light sitting in 
the alleyway where he had been thrown out. And he felt in his heart, just a little whisper, follow that light. And so he started to follow the light. The light moved. He followed the light through the alleyways, through different places, eventually till he came to a house where the light stopped. And so he goes and he knocks on the door. The door opens and two missionaries are there who took him in, gave him a place to stay and taught him about the ways of Jesus Christ. Just a coincidence, right? No, I think that sounds like a miracle. And so I've seen these. These are not secondhand stories. These are, these are firsthand. I know these people. Then another Canadian couple one day, when we were in India, they turned up at our Youth with a Mission Base where we used to be, work and be a part of. They turned up at our Youth with a Mission Base, got out of the car and were like, oh, thank God. Thank God we found you. Thank God we're here. And, and we heard their story. See, they were coming to do one of our discipleship training schools. And so they had sent us a fax. This is in the day. Anybody remember faxes? You remember faxes? They, yeah, yeah, some young people are going, I don't know. Well, what's a fax? I mean, before emails. So they had sent us a fax saying, hey, we're the Canadian couple. We're coming to do one of the schools. We never got the fax. And so we're arriving at Mumbai Airport. You've got to understand, if you've been to Mumbai Airport, Mumbai is a scary place to arrive. 18 million people. Everyone, tons and tons and tons of people. And we were 200 kilometers from where, where they needed to be. And of course, we hadn't got any information, so we weren't there to meet them. And so they turn up, and so they're, they're like, oh, no one's here to meet us. We better go. They had two kids, two babies with them. And so they're like, how hard can it be? And so they go out, and they go, go and grab a taxi. And here's one thing. If you ever go to Asian countries or India, and you ask a taxi driver, does he know where so-and-so is? Listen, he's always going to say yes. Even if he doesn't know or hasn't got a clue where it is, because he's going to take you until he finds out where that is. And so this is in the middle of the night. They're driving around all over the place, not able to find anywhere. It became obvious that the taxi driver had no clue where he had to go. And so it got to a point where the kids needed some water and stuff, and the mother was crying, and the, I'm sure the guy was crying on the inside. I mean, it was, just, it was just one of those, like, oh, my goodness, what has happened? How have we ended up in this circumstance? And so they actually got out the car, went into this restaurant. Remember, it's the middle of the night. And they went into this restaurant. They're having a drink of water and other stuff, whatever they were uh, doing there. And going, what are we going to do? There was a guy named Sadiq. Sadiq is a Muslim convert. He was a part of our organization. And remember, we're in a different city, right? 200 kilometers away. Sadiq, who lived in that city, he had run out of gas. Sadiq, a Muslim convert, they'd run out of gas in their family home and they needed to go and get some gas. Uh, they turned up at this restaurant where you get gas from and they're sitting in this restaurant uh, when these two foreigners came, came in. They were a part of our organization in a totally different city. And so they're in there getting gas while he's getting gas and looking and seeing a, seeing a cross and having a cup of tea or whatever. He felt the Lord say, go and ask those people if they're with youth with a mission. Or why won't? And so he got up, went over to this Canadian couple who was completely lost, had no idea where they were, in a city 200 kilometers from where they meant to be, and said, excuse me, are you from youth with a mission? They went, yes, 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 yes. Just a coincidence, right? Just a coincidence. I, 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 listen, I have seen, why do I, of course my experience 
It's going to affect, boy, is it time, that time already? Man, I've only just got started. They did this to me last time as well. Have my experiences affected and influenced the fact that I believe that miracles are for today? Well, yes. Number one, because I've seen miracles firsthand. And number two, because I've experienced miracles personally. I remember a time I fell off a ladder. I fell off quite high at our house. I fell off a ladder and I could hardly walk. I was in a lot of pain. I don't know who it was who came and prayed for me. It wasn't a pastor. It wasn't some professor or whatever or some fancy pants religious person. It was just your regular Christian. They came and prayed for me. And I just want to, again, remind you that God can use anybody. God can use you to see lives changed. And I could barely barely walk. That person came in and prayed and in the name of Jesus be healed and I was instantly healed. Not take a Panadol four days later. No, no. I was instantly healed. I can't deny that. I can't deny that. It was gone. I mean, it, and it was gone so quickly that it was almost like, no, that can't be. And you try and make it hurt again. <laughs> Just last year, I had a kidney stone. Anybody had a kidney stone here? You know what I'm talking about. Oh, Jesus, I feel you. But kidney stone, they say it's like having childbirth. I don't know. I'm not a, I guess not. Nothing can be like that. I'm just saying, ladies. I know, I know. It's just silly men talk, silly men talk. But I want to tell you, it's painful. It's not the first time I've had them. The first time I've had them before, and I've ended up in the hospital. I've ended up on morphine. I've ended up, for, I don't know how many hours, just lose track of the day, vomiting everywhere. I mean, it is incredibly Painful. So I, I knew, I had it a couple of times before, I knew this was coming. It was starting to build. I was starting to feel sick. I was going, oh my goodness, I, this is kidney stone. This is at night. I've just gone to bed. Dear, call an ambulance. We get on the phone, 111, call an ambulance. Yes, we'll be with you as fast as we can. We're over in the Hutt Valley. We'll be making our way over. I was like, thank you very much. It's getting worse and worse. I'm starting to feel nau- uh, nauseous, like I'm going to uh, vomit. And it's like, boom, 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 boom. I was like, okay, this is this. I'm just gearing myself for a couple of days of serious, serious, help me Jesus kind of thing, you know. And, and so that's, that's building up. And then Anita says, let me pray for you. Good idea. Thank you, darling. And he says, let me, let me pray for you. She told Reuben. Reuben had texted out some of the youth guys saying, hey, please pray. My dad needs, uh, 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 or he's got an ambulance on the way. He's got a kidney stone or whatever. Needs, he's in a lot of pain right now. Anita prayed. Again, no keyboard. She just prayed, Lord, heal him. My husband is so awesome. Heal him right now. Mm. I love him. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I can't. And she's she's just praying. And she leaves the room. And then suddenly I go, boom, it's gone. It's gone. It's just gone. And I start poking myself, trying to, but it was gone. Just like that. Instantly. So it's pretty weird having to ring 111 and say, can we cancel that? <laughs> uh, yeah, we're coming. It's, ah, oh, no, don't come. Just say, we're, we're done. We're healed. Jesus has healed me. Hallelujah. <laughs> Should have said that, but I didn't. <laughs> Thought of it now. But it was gone. And I can't deny that. When I, when I, when I think about other miracles, just even things, even the land that we have out there. I mean, again, just... 
the fact that we got a million dollars worth of work, and I know if you're new to church, you might not understand this story, but all of the land around here, 50 acres, was given to us by a millionaire. But then we did a deal just three years ago, just three years ago, with, with, with M2PP. I, I felt it. I knew it was coming. We did, we, we, we did a deal. All that was put and set out in the lakes, and all that was done for free, a million dollars worth of work for free. That, I think, is pretty miraculous. I remember when the deal was being negotiated, I remember sitting in the room. I've told the story, and I, I was sitting in the room. It's like I had an out-of-body experience where I pulled back, and I'm lo- in the room looking down, and, and it's going, you are in the middle of a miracle uh, uh, right now. And that's not all, folks. That's not all. There's more. There's more. And then the guy who was trying to stop us getting it, one of the people who was part of the construction company, he comes here and gets saved and is a part of our church right now. Come on, how many think that is a miracle? He was in the 8 a.m. service just this morning. It's a miracle. So our experiences definitely, no matter who we are, can influence our thinking and life. But to cessationists who say you go too much by experience, I would say this, that the argument goes both ways. See, here's the thing. If I as a Pentecostal believer in Camp 2 go too much by my experience, might the same be true of Camp 1? Who go too much by their lack of experience to justify their position. Because I have not seen EG, because I have not seen a miracle for myself, it must not be true. They do not believe because they have not seen or experienced. Listen, because one has not seen or experienced a miracle does not mean that miracles have ceased or don't happen. It just means you ain't seen one. Come on. So to the cessationists, I would say this. Just as you would warn someone not to build their theology from experience, the same is true in the reverse. You should not build your theology on your lack of experience or because of a negative experience, the weird and the wacky things that you may have seen. Again, even if you and I have never seen or ever experienced a miracle, That does not mean that miracles ceased or are not for today or don't happen. All it means is that you haven't seen one. And that's no argument against our position. Because we don't build theology from what we haven't experienced either. Again, I want to remind you, It always comes back to what is true or false is established in the light of what the Scriptures say and teach. That's what matters. Cessationists would argue, of course, that the miracles that take place today, some of the things that I've described and other things, the miracles that take place And today's contemporary healing ministries are far different to that of Jesus and the apostles. Therefore, uh, it disqualifies them. In what way are they different? They would say that the healings in the Bible times were instantaneous, irreversible, complete healings. 
The scale of what was healed was bigger. The lame could walk, the deaf could hear, the dead were raised, the blind could see. It wasn't just headaches, coughs, and colds. They would say Jesus and the apostles seemed like they could heal at will under any conditions. But how do they know that for sure? I mean, really. I mean, not everything Jesus or the apostles did is recorded in the Bible. How, how, how do you know that? Because the Bible says so. John 21 verse 24 and reading. This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. Could Jesus and the apostles heal at will under any conditions? Because if that's true, shouldn't we who believe in the miraculous today be able to do the same, walk into the hospitals and go, get up, get up, get up? Is that true? We'll come next week to find out. And part two of Miracle Matters. These are important questions to settle. And before I finish and before I close, I just want to ask this question. If you're here today, and I know I've seen over the years, like I said, it doesn't happen all the time. It happens sometimes. But today there'll be stories in this room of miracles where God moved in certain situations and circumstances. Maybe you were believing God for some finance or whatever, and you, and, and you went to the letterbox and you opened it, and boom, there was some money from who? You don't know. It's just there. Maybe you, you were hungry and your family was hungry at one stage and had no food. You open the door and there's a box of food there and you don't know how, how it got there. Maybe you had a health crisis at one stage or one situation and you were desperate. If you, you could have texted those days, you, you, you would have texted us and you, you, you needed a miracle and God came through, from you, through for you. Or maybe there was some kind of situation you were going to start a business, you didn't know how to do it, but, but God met you through some miracle circumstances that opened up the way for you to be able to do what you were doing. You saw a miracle. And so I just want to ask you today, if you've had a circumstance like that take place uh, where God has done a miracle, where you've, you, you know in your life that God has met you in a circumstance or situation where He he came through. We're not saying He came through every time. We're not saying it happens all the time. But there are situations in your life that you can look back now over the years. You can say, God moved in that situation. I know it was God. There was no other way it could have happened. If you have had that kind of experience, can I get a show of hands right now? Just take a look around. Take a look around. Take a look around. We serve, put those hands down. We serve a God of miracles. Come on. We serve a God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us. This is the God who we worship. And we need to know today, this is the God who we follow. This is the God who we serve. And He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. As he did then, 
he can do now. Why? Not because I've just experienced it, because I believe the Bible tells us so we can lay hands. It says a mark on the sick and they shall be healed. Not every time. doesn't mean everyone gets healed. But some get healed. I don't always get healed, but I sometimes got healed. But if I never prayed, I'd never know. We serve a miracle-working God who I think right now deserves a bit of praise and a bit of honor and a bit of glory as we worship Him. Every head bowed and every eye closed, just quickly. Today, if you know you need to get right with God, today, if you know that your life is far away from Him, maybe you've been coming to church for ages, but you've never given your life to Christ, you understand. Today, even, even now as I'm speaking, you know that you're far away from Him and that you need to get your life right with God. I want to give you that opportunity right now, a place where you can pray with me. I'm going to pray a prayer. And you might say, can I, can I join with you in that prayer? I will, I will pray a prayer on your behalf. One that says, Lord, I turn away from my sin because I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I turn away from my sin and give my life to you. Would you be not just my Savior, but my Lord? I want you to be the King of my life. I've tried it my own way. The Bible says He knocks on the door of your heart. If you would open the door, would you open the door today? Today is the day of salvation. Don't muck around on this. If you need to get right with God, do it today. You know, even right now, you need to respond just as I did some 30-something years ago in a meeting just like this. God, turn my life around. He can do the same for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, it's the God moment. You're saying, that's me, Pastor. I need to get right with God. But Pastor, I'm a very, I've done some things. You wouldn't believe what I've done. doesn't matter. I believe in what Jesus has done. It's not about how bad you are. It's about how good He is. You can't earn it, buy it, get it. It's freely. All of sin and for sure the glory of God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So the Bible says, today, if you need to get right, if you want to be included in that prayer to get right with God, just where you're sitting, would you put your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor. Please include me in that prayer. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? You know you need to get right with God. Nice and high. Put your hand up nice and high so I can see it. All right, over there. Thank you. Amen. Let's pray this prayer all together. Lord Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. I turn from my sin and turn towards you. I repent and give my life to you. Save me, lead me, and guide me. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, the Bible says you're born again. Again, not by what you have done, by what Jesus has done. As you walk out of here, if you pray that prayer for the first time, grab one of those New Testaments that one of the pastors will be holding up. It's a little gift pack. It's got some stuff in there that will help you. Can we stand and just for five seconds give God some praise and thank God for those who said yes to Jesus today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As we close the service today, I want you to put your hands out and receive a blessing that I will speak over your life. And again, just know this, if you need prayer for anything, but after the service, I asked over 
here on this side of the church, there will be a team ready to pray for anything, for your miracle, whatever it is that you need to see take place. But let me pronounce this blessing over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Can we give Jesus one more clap of praise?